Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to another edition of the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be rejoined by Gosha, who's the founder of Agile PMO. You might remember recently, we spoke to Gosha about women in leadership and technology, and we had a fantastic response to this podcast. So today, we're going to do a follow-up all in the area of trust. And I think this is quite relevant at the moment because we're in the middle of COVID-19, which means the majority of people are working from home. And in order to have success in remote working, trust is a key requirement. It's a must-have. You have to be able to trust your people. But how do you go about building this trust? And also, if you've lost that trust, how do you actually recover this trust? These are the type of topics that we're going to cover today with Gosha. So listen, welcome back to the show, Gosha. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening, Gosha. I know uh, some people might have listened the last time, but maybe you might just give us a brief introduction on yourself first before we move into the topic again on trust. Okay, again, hello, everyone. So I'm a project manager leader, Agile and team leader, Agile PMO founder, transition manager, academy founder, and co-founder of Academia's Vinne Liderki. Uh, that's a, a leadership program for ladies leaders and also Agile Leadership Academy. And we help organizations and individuals to transform, so to become more adaptable. And that's crucial nowadays to become more adaptable. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's crucial nowadays because we are lost in the fog. We don't know what to do and we don't know how to do. So to become more experimental mind, I cannot pronounce it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I have the same okay. problem myself many times, so even with English words. <laughs> okay. Now, it's crucial nowadays to become more adaptable and to do more experiments um, because we are lost in the fog. We don't know how to do things and we don't know what to do nowadays. So experiment and adapt. That's the way you can survive today. Fantastic. Thanks, Gosha. So listen, let, let's get into it. So the whole area of trust, it's a big topic. It'd be great if you give us an overview on the subject and maybe we could discuss some of the challenges that are currently being faced. Um, and let's go from there. So over to you, please, Gosha. Okay. For me, trust is a substitute for control. Although in Poland, very often we repeat the words of Felix Dzierżyński. I don't know if you are aware of this guy. Have you ever heard of Felix Dzierżyński? I'm not, but I'm looking forward to hearing more. <laughs> okay. He's a Bolshevik leader, head, he was, yeah, that was in the past, head of the Soviet secret police. And the saying is, the best form of trust is control. And this has become a belief for many Poles. Okay. Interesting. So trust is important for every collaboration, but even more critical when working virtual. That's what you just said. And that's the situation we are experiencing now. 
most of us work virtually, we are online. And I don't know if you know, but a small increase in trust of management is similar to receiving a 36 pay rise. And if the same amount of trust is lost, the decline in employee job satisfaction is similar to taking 36 pay cuts. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, the research was done in 2005 by Halliwell and Huang, but I think, I don't know if you agree, it's even more valid nowadays. Oh, completely agree. Uh, you have to give people ownership. Um, you have to give them responsibility and it all links to trust. And then you, I find you get a lot more out of people. If you're going to micromanage and try and control them, you'll get, I just think you get a lot. You just, people lose initiative, lose motivation, um, in my experience, and you just don't get that same value out of people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially when working online, yeah? Micromanagement doesn't work here. You just need to build trust. You need to trust people. You cannot really control them. The micromanagement, it adds just more work and reduce productivity. So that's why it's very crucial. And trust is also a fundamental element of social capital, a key contributor to economic development. That's why there are so many talks on trust and that's why it's so important to learn how to build and recover trust when the trust is lost. And trust can be understand differently, have different meanings for different people and different meanings for different cultures. So there are cultures that are just based on facts and tasks, task-based trust. And there are countries like Asian people, they build trust through building relationships with people. It's who you know that's the most important. So some statistics. There is a book, The Speed of Trust, written by Stephen Covey, that's the son of the Stephen, the other Stephen Covey. Okay. So for me, it's a must-read book for every leader. And when I was reading this book, I found out that trust in Poland, which is around 23%, so only 23% of Polish people trust each other, is the lowest trust in the world. So it's the same as in Latin America and a bit higher than in Africa, which is about 18%. The data come from um, 2006, but I found out the recent data as well. And there was a European social survey, and the data I'm giving uh, are from 2014. And you can get up to 30 points there. So any ideas? Who is on the top? (laughs) Uh, Have any ideas on the top? I'm guessing based on the stats, as in the, when you say the top, you mean people that are most trusted. Yes. Uh, the, the, the countries where people trust each other the most. Germany. Germany? Yeah. Not really. It's Scandinavian countries. So Denmark, 20.5. And then Norway as well, 19.7. Finland, 19.3. Sweden, 19.1. Um, Iceland as well, it's 19. Or not Scandinavian, but Netherlands, 19.9. And Switzerland, 17.8. Sorry to interrupt you, but they still are. I mean, they're low, aren't they, across the board? I mean, not a higher, but... How about Ireland? And I guess it's for Ireland, it's quite high as well. Yeah, I would think so. Um, 18. 16.8. And Poland? 13. 
it's exactly, well, it's a bit less, it's 12.8 and Bulgaria, it's 10.8. We are really swapping places, the last places in Europe from Bulgaria, Cyprus and Slovakia. So Cyprus is 11.2 and Slovakia is 12.1. Sorry, Gosha, but how do you measure that? I mean, how is that measured? How do we measure? How many people trust each other? So we ask this question, but generally, I don't know if you, uh, any guesses? Um, what does the high trust countries have in common? What's the most important? Good question. I don't, to be honest. <laughs> but what, what would you think? Any ideas? What they have in common with each other. Yeah. People. Uh, About Scandinavian countries. Loyalty, stick together, family. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm thinking out loud. Tell me. Surprise me. Yeah, so citizen-friendly welfare state. Okay. Low income inequalities. So equality is very important. Equal opportunities. Low levels of corruption. And very important, citizen participation in social organizations. And for me, uh, one of the most important is education focused on collaboration and equality. We mentioned the schools in the last podcast when we talked about the girls and boys and uh, the capability in maths, because 50% of Polish kids, they are very capable in maths. And I mentioned as well the education system. If we have the Scandinavian educational system in Poland, that would be actually, we would be the best in the world with these capabilities we have. So, so that's why we have set up an initiative called Games Scrum. And this is teaching school subject by delivering projects using Scrum. And the outcomes of the project will be the educational games. So kids can learn through creating these games. So they can learn collaboration. They can learn communication. They can learn empathy. And also they can produce results as the educational games. So they can learn playing the games. So that's the idea of games scrum and at the moment we are looking for partners especially from scandinavian countries because they have the best education system like from finland okay and we will be applying for european funds so we want to change the education system in poland from the bottom from the local communities fantastic that sounds like a great initiative so let's come back to trust yes teamwork depends on trust And trust is the foundation of collaboration. That's what we've already mentioned. I call it the heart or the glue of the team. It helps to build team identity. That's very important that we actually stick together. And the leader plays the important role in building trust. So a while ago, I asked Alan Glandman, an agile coach, how to build trust in a low trust society as Poland is. And his answer was, show your vulnerability. Don't be afraid of losing face and admitting mistakes. That's what he said. Because only when leaders model this kind of behavior, the team members will do the same. So generally, take off your mask and be yourself. To be yourself, you need a specific environment. We call it psychological safety. I don't know if you heard of the Google's project, Aristotle. Yes, I have. So they have proved that the psychological safety is the most important. The environment where people can relay on each other 
and admit mistakes. And they are not afraid that someone will abuse their weaknesses. That's crucial to have this kind of surrounding, this kind of environment. And then you can really take off your mask and be yourself. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It makes complete sense, to be honest with you. It's all about confidence, uh, and people need to build confidence, and it's linked to trust as well. And, and if you have to leave people to be themselves, make the mistakes, learn from them. Again, yeah. it's back to that point. Yeah, rely on each other as well, yeah, and help each other. That's most important. And communication. We talk about a lot about communication. I always said it's not about communication. It's about collaboration. But communication and a, is a very important tool. So keeping people participating and informed will be the key element of building trust because trust is connected with identity. That's what I mentioned before. This is the glue of the team. Following specific norms and practices, willingness to share knowledge and cooperate with others and desire to stay with the organization. So it's very crucial we know who we are working with to interpret the behavior and reactions. I don't know if you agree. No, completely. What I mean, so it's really up to the organization, the leader to, you know, lead by example, clearly be vulnerable, just in summary, you know, to be able to share, to be able to learn. They're human in the end of the day to actually build that trust within the team. Then that's my understanding from what you just said. Yes, that's why in virtual teams, fundamental clue about personalities might be absent if you don't put enough effort to get to know each other. That's why a kind of structure, setting up some meetings, just talking about yourself will be really crucial. So is that, that's an interesting point there. So side meetings, are they more of a social meeting gathering then, uh, would you say, just getting together? I think you need both. Um, okay. The practice is uh, to start from the personal conversation, uh, curiosity. Curiosity is the most important. Just uh, I've got a friend, Mike Rowings, and he always saying that curiosity is the most important, the crucial leadership quality. So be curious, ask questions, be interested in mm-hmm. other people's achievements and both work-related and personal and support and promote them amongst other team members. And also make only commitments you can't and will keep, yeah? Keeping commitments, it's very important. Or if you cannot keep them, negotiate them. Because otherwise, people might not trust you because you are not delivering the results. And delivering the results is very important, especially working virtually, because we are here to do something together, we've got a common goal to achieve in the end as yeah. a team. And so, you know, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask about, you know, it's, it's very much dependent on the leader leading by example. I mean, how, how do you get around the leader that, you know, just finds it very difficult to change, you know, does micromanage, finds it difficult to move away from that environment to building that trust? So in a minute, I will share the uh, transactional trust, which I use in any team I built. So okay. start from defining the, the principles, the behaviors you will follow as a team. That's very important. Then you have the a kind of contract and you set the directions that you are clear about the roles and responsibilities. So just, just, just one note, there's a research proved that uh, 
working virtually, for example, you need about 25 up to 30% more time um, to set up a virtual team. Because you need to have a structured social meetings because of this kind of social interaction is missing. You don't meet people in the lift, in the kitchen, for example. Yeah. yeah. So just, just walking by. So the side conversations actually don't happen when you are working online. Yeah. That's why like a kind of water cooler space, the spontaneous discussion that happen offline, they don't happen online. That's why it's very important to set up a kind of space. People can talk about private things. So that's very important that you set them up, structure them. That's why you need more time, especially at the beginning. Yeah, well, it's quite high, 30% more time. Okay, so let's move to, to the model I would like to share with you. It's a transactional trust model okay. created by Reina Trust Building Institute. And this is a model you can use not only working online, but in every team you start working with. It's a really good starting point. And then once people consciously and consistently practice the behaviors that build transactional trust, the level of trust within the team organization and within the individuals will transform. So then we can move to this transformative trust. And, and this transformation from a personal perspective involves changes in how people interact with one another. So they tend to be clear about their convictions, courage is enough to raise issues and compassionate and understanding towards one another, realizing they are all part of the same community, team or organization. And that's crucial. Start from the transactional trust, so setting the rules, and then this kind of behavior will be actually a norm. So for me, transactional trust is a foundation for any collaboration, especially for virtual collaboration. And any trust, transaction trust also, is mutual in nature. So you have to give it to get it. Put in what you get. Put in what you get out. Put in as well. How does that go again? Put in what you, you get as much out as you put in. Sorry, that's the one. Yeah. You don't get. People will not trust you if you don't trust people. Yeah. So that's very important to remember that. And the trust is created step by step over time. So it takes years sometimes. There is a saying I like a lot and I repeat a lot by Jurgen Appello that trust is like money. It takes years to earn and only minutes or even seconds to lose. That's hard. Because you're working on it, so constantly building on it. Exactly. That's why you need to put the effort to build trust. It doesn't, of course, sometimes when you meet people who has similar values to you, you might actually get it straight away. But in a team, when we are, in a team where we are completely different, we come from different backgrounds, different environments, especially in global teams, it will take time. That's why you need to put an effort, you need to structure it. Okay. So let's start. Uh, so the transactional trust uh, has three elements. Starting from contractual trust, 
It's called trust of characters. So when we understand what is expected from us, roles and responsibilities are clear, commitments are kept or negotiated, we collaborate freely, depend on each other, and deliver results. Results are very important. We have developed contractual trust. And this trust breaks down when people learn what is expected from them through learning what they did wrong. And I have a story for you from my experience in one of the organizations where I was quite new. And probably you know, but not everyone, not in every company, people call themselves by first names. We use sir and madame a lot. Yes. And in this organization, there was no clear rule. So I just learned there was a director, a lady, and I called her by name. So a new assistant joined the team and I told her that you can call her by name. And she did it. And she was told off. And then it appeared. It wasn't written down. It was unwritten rule that only managers and up can call her by first name. And she was an assistant. And I didn't know. So she learned it through making a mistake. And that's the worst situation you can have in your team. So it's very important that the rules you want people to follow are clear for everyone and are written down. Okay, so what can we do? Let's start from managing expectations. For example, there is Rocky matrix. So roles and responsibilities are clear. Also, there is a tool I use, and it's um, also um, shared by uh, Jürgen Appello. It's called Delegation Poker. So there are seven levels of taking decisions. And first level, a leader takes the decision and doesn't even inform the team. And the level seven, the team takes the decision, and the leader doesn't need to know about the decision. So the team doesn't need to inform the leader. So it's very important to make clear who is taking which decision. So that's a tool I use as, as well. Another uh, tool I use is the team norms, team charter contract I mentioned before. So establishing boundaries. So starting from values and describing them by specific behaviors you want the team to follow. You can actually add the information flow in this contract as well. So how we communicate. The rules for collaboration, how we collaborate as well, will be included in this kind of document. How we solve conflicts as well. And also the things like what to do with stinking food in the fridge or air conditioning in the open space. I think that's the most thing people actually argue about. Because some people like air conditioning and other don't, yeah? So I don't know what's your experience, but we very often argued about, and sometimes... Well, it's, it's too hot, it's too cold. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a difficult one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so so it, it's a right place to write down, to agree. That's why it's very important to have a kind of document which is agreed by everyone. Of course, the contract is for the bad times. But it's much easier to talk about specific behaviors and principles rather than judge other people. So it's for difficult times. Okay. Another thing, it's very important to 
to delegate appropriately, but I already mentioned delegation poker as a tool. Uh, as a leader, encourage mutually serving intentions. And very important, I mentioned before, keeping the promises or negotiating. If you cannot keep your promise, if you cannot keep your com commitment, you negotiate so everyone is aware. So you deliver what you have promised and be consistent. And be consistent is also crucial working as a team. But anyway, it's crucial. Authenticity, be authentic. It's very important nowadays. I will be speaking on authentic leadership tonight. Great. Okay. Very interesting. Other practices are like the sessions, the meetings. So quarterly planning sessions will give the directions. Monthly progress reviews will create a chance to talk about successes and challenges. And a daily 15-minute calls, stand-ups, allow people to manage their day-to-day -day work, announce intentions, identify needs, and make requests of each other. So these meetings I recommend to schedule. So this is contractual trust, trust of characters to start with. Okay. Yeah, and the second to achieve. A yeah. lot to do on this one. Yeah, that, that's why it's the first element here, yeah, mm. because you actually, it's about managing expectations and establish boundaries. It's about tone and directions. Okay. And the second part, and the elements of the trust are connected with each other. They base on each element. So the second part of transactional trust, it's communication trust. This is trust of disclosure. You know, it goes back to your point about, you know, the leader just speaking out, not afraid to be making mistakes, I'm guessing. Exactly. So trust influence communication and communication influence trust. They are closely related. So sharing information, telling the truth, speaking with good purpose. So in the environment with communication trust, we feel safe to ask questions, challenge assumptions, raise issues, give and receive feedback and ask for help. I like the creating the supportive, constructive feedback environment. It's very important to give and get feedback to develop, to change and to collaborate. That's why it's crucial that we have this environment when we can tell the truth and give honest, supportive feedback. For me, empathical communication is very important. So I always encourage people to learn. And there is a quite interesting, it's in Polish, article on empathetical communication in March issue of Strefa PMI. It's a magazine for project managers. It's written by Barbara Mruz, and she's giving a lot of tips how to build this empathical communication, including the nonviolent communication called the language of the giraffe. Do you know why the giraffe? Well, I'm just thinking long neck and spots. <laughs> long, yeah, long neck. So you can see the... The word from the top, but also yeah. the giraffe has the biggest heart among the mammals. Yeah, okay, interesting. So speaking from your heart, this is also called the heart language. So it's speaking from your perspective, 
without judgment. So you start from the facts, then you have feelings, emotions, needs, and then the request. So that's the structure of nonviolent communicate. So I always encourage people to find out more on empathic communication, on nonviolent communication, and start practicing because we are not taught it at school. Schools, I don't know how is in Belgium or Ireland, but in Poland, schools are very judgmental. Mm-hmm. You've got so kids very often actually learn because they want to get the better mark. Yeah, I but extrinsic motivation rather than building the intrinsic motivation because you want to do it, you want to know. So uh, practicing, practicing and practicing this kind of communication and it will change a lot because you are not attacking anyone. You just talk from your perspective. It's just about you. What you feel about the situation, you explain the situation, what you feel, what you need and you can ask. You can actually request something, but of course, the other side can say no. As we've request any request, you can always say yes or no. You have a choice. You have a choice, exactly. You give a choice. Mm, and the very important thing for me, it's we don't talk behind others' back. So just in front of people, you are collaborating. It happens quite a lot. That's why it's important to to define this kind of role and then actually keep it. So if you have something to share, just give the feedback. But first of all, you need an environment where people really can share information, can tell the truth, can give the honest feedback, this psychological safety. And the third element of trust, of transactional trust, is competence trust. And this is trust of capability. So we believe in the team members' skills and competences, and we allow them to make decisions. I mentioned delegation poker. So you start from defining who can make what kind of decision first. So involve others and seek the input, help people to learn new skills. And when we have this competence trust in the team, in the community, in the organization, we feel self-worth and value. And that's the most important. And confidence comes with us. Yeah, so just summarize. Contractual trust sets tone and directions, shapes roles and responsibilities, and helps make expectations clear. Communication trust helps establish norms and information flow and standards for how people talk with one another share information, provide feedback, and work with mistakes. And competence trust allows individuals to leverage and further develop skills. So they are very connected. So start from the transactional trust, and then once the team repeat the behaviors you have defined, you can move to the transformative trust. And that's really great once we have built this kind of transformation, when we transform from transaction to, to this, like the trust we have as a norm. So we don't need to really watch each other. We just have it in DNA. That's very important. Great question. So how do you mean, uh, is that a difficult one to judge? 
I mean, moving from the transactional to the transformational when you do it that? It takes time. Yeah, it takes time. You do it step by step. So you start from the kind of contract, from the team norms, and you take responsibility. You take the ownership to, especially as a leader, you need to actually model this behavior. Once we, you have as a team agreed kind of behavior, the important is integrity. The important thing for a leader to model because people do not learn from speaking. They learn from modeling, from seeing. This is walk the talk, the authentic behavior. Be authentic, walk the talk. So it's very important. Uh, of course, you can change the rules you have written. That's why um, retrospectives are very important. So you meet, for example, Agile Scrum teams, they meet every second week or every week. It depends how long the sprint, the iteration they work. So it's very important that you have tools and practices to help share information, to give feedback. And all, not on, uh, only feedback on the results of your work, but also on collaboration. How safe within this team? If we have broken any principles, any behaviors we have set up, maybe we don't need them. Yeah, there is a peer that something we have agreed at the beginning, it's not right anymore. So we want to change it. So it's a kind of two ways communication. Yeah between the leader and the team and between the leaders in the organization. So it's a kind of process. And once you've noticed that you have broken trust, you follow the same step. You find out the root causes of it. And then you try to find a solution. So it's about working together, communicating, collaborating, trying to spot the problems, challenges, and solve them. But also, I think it's crucial to spot the right behavior. It's very important to, uh, to spot the right behavior. Once we have agreed this behavior and then people follow this, people behave how we have actually agreed. So celebrate it, mention it, say how important it is. If you, for example, decide that you will live in constructive conflict, all the time, the conflict about ideas because you want to be innovative, you want to find the best solution in the shortest time. It's very important that people actually go into this kind of conflict. You spot it and you actually say thank you for this. It might not be very usual behavior. I encourage you to spot the behaviors we actually want to follow. And of course, spot the behaviors which are not the one want individuals in our team behave, follow. Yes, completely. I'm just conscious of the time now because we are talking a long time, Gosha, in terms of you want to talk next about the transactional or sorry, transformational. And no, no they, they, I've already, I've already mentioned this transformation. It's, it's nothing more. It's once uh, people consciously and consistently practice behaviors that build transactional trust, the level of trust within the organization, team and community and among the individuals with this community transforms. So we can, yes. yeah, transformative trust. So that's kind of transformation. So this is, we have it 
and this this kind of behaviors in our DNA. It's us. So this is this kind of transformation. Oh, so okay. that's why transactional trust. It might sound like transaction doesn't sound when we talk about transactional leadership comparing to transformational leadership. Doesn't because it's a stick and a carrot and doesn't sound great at the beginning. But that's a really good point to start with the rules, with contractual communication and competence start. And once we have these behaviors in our body, yeah, in our mind, we transform as a team. Okay, makes sense. Very interesting, Gosh. Really very interesting. It's logical as well when you when you talk through those different steps, it makes an awful lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that that's what people might not aware. They might not being aware that trust is so complex and that you need to put the effort to build it, starting from defining the principles, values and behaviors you want to follow as a team. And from my experience, it takes time. We go as a team, every team goes through these steps from like finding out each other. First question we ask is why we are here. And second question we ask, who we are, that's the trust, building our identity. And then you can move to the defining the goal. If you haven't actually clarified who we are, it will be very difficult to deliver results. So first, the question, why are we here as a team? And then second, who we are? And just taking off your masks. There is a nice uh, definition of the courage um, defined by Brené Brown. She's an expert on vulnerability and courage because core comes from courage. Sorry, courage comes from core and that means heart in Latin. So once you can tell your story with your heart and you are not afraid, that's the proof you have built trust. You have this psychological safety environment. Very good, cool, Really, really good. Very, very interesting. And it, it does sound like a lot, but when you break it down, actually, it's it's logical with the steps there. Um, but you can see, you will, like you said, it's amazing how much you have to invest in this to build this trust and to maintain it uh, even more so. I suppose the key really is getting the foundations in place, as because as you build on more team members, you scale. You know, I mean, how do you maintain that trust? At the same time, because you just keep on building those steps and keep on doing what you're doing, um, as you've recommended already. Yeah, exactly. And it takes time, takes years to build and only seconds to lose. So remember about it and don't give up. If you have broken trust, you can still rebuild it following the same steps. Find down the roots where the trust was broken and define the behaviors to rebuild it to restore it because without trust you don't get any collaboration i mean you might get collaboration but the collaboration is kind of synergy when the result of the team is much bigger than the sum of results of individuals you never actually get it if you haven't built the foundation of trust so remember start from the foundation from the solid foundation of trust and then you will really really deliver the amazing results. Fantastic, Osha. And thank you for your time today.
And if people want to learn more about Trust or if you can help them in Trust, um, is LinkedIn again the best way to approach you? Or Yeah, the last, uh, actually we had a conversation on Trust recently. That was the, the talk we have every two weeks. So two weeks ago, I spoke with Barbara Amros, the psychologist on Trust, and it's recorded. And you can find the recent article on our blog, www.jpmo.pl. And that's, it's in Polish. And we have described uh, three situations because after our conversation, we had a kind of short workshop. So we split into three teams and we discussed three situations and we gave some tips. So uh, you can find some tips in this article suggested by the people who attended our meeting. Fantastic. Also, would you mind sending that on to me? And I'll also put it up in the notes uh, when I post our podcast. Yes, great. of course. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you for your time today. It's been really insightful as always and very interesting. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thank you very much. That was a pleasure to talk to you.